Hello, this is Nathan Judah. This podcast was recorded before the news about Daniel Sturridge. Hope you enjoy. Well, hello everyone, welcome to episode 14. It's the Baggies broadcast. I'm here as ever with the one and only, it's Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? Have you recovered after Saturday night? Yeah, just about recovered. Um, didn't get back till late, thanks to the, all those VAR delays, but yeah. It was uh, an emotional and pretty eventful night, it has to be said. I heard you've already TripAdvisor, you booked off the dates for Wembley for the semis and the final. I like it in advance, you've got some decent rooms at the Hilton just outside of Wembley, very smart. I can't afford the Hilton, you'll be at the Hilton, I'll be at the Travel Lodge. Um, yeah, because we're going, we're going to Wembley, aren't we? Because last time we beat Liverpool in the FA Cup, 1968, we all know what happened then. Uh, and we beat Liverpool again this time around. So, uh, name is on the cup. I hope the engravers already getting a, getting it ready. Um, it's meant to be, isn't it? The, 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 I tell you what, the peeps are getting the gifts ready from, from, from Pardew at Wembley last, ta- last time out, Turts. That's for certain. Andrew Turton is on the podcast this week. Turts, from, from, a, from, a, from a Baggies point of view and a fan, I mean, surely you didn't hold that much hope. Uh, no, not at all. Blimey, after, uh, you know, the, the sort of slightly down peep, sort of Pardew maybe, the, the, just before talking about people having the flu and just... You know, generally thinking ahead about the league campaign, you know, to go there and what, what an opening half an hour I was flabbergasted. Thought I'd already had about five points before I got through the first. Half. Matt ran two thousand words in the first twenty-seven minutes. I mean, Matt, take, let's let's take let's take VAR aside for for one minute because I'm sure we'll go on to that. What a magnificent performance by them and. and it's annoying because we talk, a lot of people talk about VAR, but just take Albion for the 11 men that played, or whoever, how many of the substitutes, they were superb, weren't they, against an f- almost full-strength Liverpool team? Yeah, well, that was, the, that was the great thing about it, is Liverpool were at their full strength. They had all the big hitters on, Salah, Firmino, Mane. Um, and Albion, as Andy said, had a bit of a flu bug going around, so they didn't have, the, they didn't have a, a full-strength side out. I think Rondon, Phillips and Higazi were all on the bench. Um... They also had a couple of uh, injuries in the first half, you know. Yeah. I mean, and I know we don't want to talk too much about VAR, but the VAR decisions went against them. Actually, on the day, everything seemed to go against <laughs> Albion. But the fact they still won shows how well they played. Um, the fact that they came back straight away after that early goal, you know, an, a mistake as well from Brunt and Evans, mm-hmm. both of them, I thought, were, were at fault for that goal. But the fact, but after that, they were superb. I mean, Evans was brilliant after that. Brunt immediately set up the goal for Rodriguez who I mean I'm sure we'll come on to but he looks every inch the, the player he was at Southampton during that season uh, ahead of the World Cup um, just before he did his injury I mean he, he, I think it's five and six now for him and, and he's got eight goals for the season which bodes incredibly well um, for the remainder of the campaign um, but yeah like I say everything seemed to go against them but they still they still came up trumps and had the ball in um, Liverpool's net five times <sighs> At Anfield, and they scored three goals from. I mean, I tried to look it up. They scored three goals against Premier League opposition for the first time since March. Wow! But three goals from open play against Premier League opposition. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely, genuinely couldn't find when that was. It's, Scenes. I think it might be over. I think it might be over a year. Um, it, it, it's, it's. Look, it's plain to see that Pardew's got them ticking. He's, he's got them moving, moving through the gears now, and they're playing some really nice stuff. Well, Matt, Matt touched on it there. Three goals or three legitimate goals um, at Albion. I mean, at Anfield, and the 
beaten Brighton as well. I mean, this this bodes so well for for, the, for just the Premier League and moving forward for confidence. Well, you can't believe it when we've been talking about it in previous weeks. You know, it's been so downbeat. I've been so downbeat. You know, in terms of yes, some I of know. The, I'm just next to you, <laughs> some of the performances at the end of the Pulis era, and and you know, we've been waiting desperately for sort of Pardew's influence to kick into gear and for the team to sort of. You know, start to put some performances to, together, really, and you know, we've seen it in a couple of games before, and but I think the Liverpool game was a culmination of just desire of wanting to go out there and perform. Really, I don't think the fans have really expected a result up there. You know, just something to try and um, to liven them up would just suffice, really. But after that performance, it was fantastic. The way it just started, the flow, right from not let, not allowing sort of going 1-0 down to affect them at all, you know, immediately getting back on the front foot and, you know, that's incredible for the, us. The great thing for me was that it was when, they, when it was 3-1, they were still trying to score. Yeah. yeah. Now, you wouldn't have seen that under Pulis. Yeah. I mean, they, they were just going for the jugular. They were, they were still staying on the front foot, like you say. It was a great performance and a fearless performance is the way Pardew mm. put it afterwards and I completely agree, you know, they... they that will do every bit for their confidence. Mm-hmm. I, I, that doesn't matter who they get in the next round. It doesn't matter about Man City on Wednesday night. They believe they can win these mm-hmm. games. And that is crucial, I think, because in the past, when they've been in the lead, they've lost those leads because it's been a mental thing. You know, it's been, they've switched, not that they've switched off, but almost that they're, they're putting so much pressure on themselves to get that win over the line um, that they end up making mistakes or, or, or being jittery. Whereas now they look confident, assured. They believe they can win the game. I mean, even at three three two, I think you know they were throwing themselves on the line. Evans was um, injured, Livermore was injured. You know they they, they kept going because Pardew made all his three subs. And the fact that Evans, by the way, mm. you know he's got this potential big move that sure. could come. And the fact that he, the fact that he wanted it so much, sure. Um, and the fact that he played through his through his hamstring injury, it deserves to be applauded. I mean, I know you could argue, okay, he's just doing his job, but. There are other players that wouldn't have done that. Well, with that flu bug going around, I don't. I tell you what, I might be off to the Emirates or wherever. I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm not feeling great, Alan. You know, just save me. I don't want to get injured. I mean, plenty of people would have done that. Plenty of players. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent before yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. But they were attacking with pace as well. You know, it was that sort of performance where even the Rodriguez first goal. You know, the way that the ball was swept through. I don't think I've seen that from from a side from from the Albion for for months and months and months and months. You know, and and, and to see that. You know, really give me some encouragement that yeah. you know that we were, are really gathering momentum. I know Matt's touched on it in his reports in recent weeks, and obviously, we, you know, fans have been able to see that. But Liverpool really encapsulated, I think, the, the positivity that's grown. And look, this is Liverpool side who were absolutely seething after getting beat by. Of course, of course, Swansea beat them, didn't they? Last week, after coming off that Man City win, so everyone was desperate for this win, and, and to silence them was just. A, a, a fantastic achievement. It's also Liverpool's only opportunity to get silverware this season. The league's gone, let's be honest. Um, Champions League, that's going to be tough. I doubt they're going to do that. They're not in the League Cup. Mm. So this was this was Klopp's sure. chance to get yeah. silverware. And so they wanted it. You see the, by the by the team they put out, mm. they wanted it. But Albion, they, not only did they want it more, but they actually outplayed them. Um, I thought the midfield pair of Barry and Krakowiak were absolutely superb. I mean, Krakowiak, the last couple of games... He looks like a different player. Mm. He, he he looks like the box-to-box midfielder that we thought we'd signed. You know, he's driving the ball forward with purpose. The second goal, Rodriguez's second goal, when he wriggled free, I can't. I think it was Oxley Chamberlain. It might not be. Forgive me if I'm wrong. But the fact that he he battled his way through, then ferried it out to Gibbs, who put the ball in, um, and Rodriguez swept it home. That was a, that was a that was a goal made by Krakowiak mm-hmm. and made by his 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 quality. And he was everywhere that night. He was superb. I mean, he was brilliant at Anfield last month, actually. 
And we thought, oh, is this him starting to come good? And since then, he slowly but surely got better and better and better. Yeah. Last two games, against Everton, he was brilliant. Could have scored. And against Liverpool, I thought, I mean, he was up there with Rodriguez for me, for man of the match. He, he looked, him and Barry together, I get that partnership is blossoming so well and they're running games in midfield. And look, they're in the hat for the fifth round tonight. There's plenty of championship and the other league one club still in that draw. A kind draw and Albion could be, you know, a win away from Wembley, potentially. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we're, in the, we're in the last 16 now. So you think, OK, one more win, you're in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. And then there you go. I mean, that, that, if you talk about going deep into, into the cup run, yeah. that's going deep. Quarterfinals for me is deep. Sure. So... Okay, you don't really talk about winning it. I know we were being jokey at the start of the podcast. You don't talk about winning it until you get further on and until maybe some of the big boys go out. I mean, you've still got four out of the six big boys are still in the cup, aren't they? So I don't think, I mean, you can dream, of course. But, Absolutely. But I think if you get a good draw, I mean, even if they get, say they get a, a Tottenham or tonight in the draw, they're still going to fancy themselves mm-hmm. after what's just happened. So, and, there's, and Pardew's got great pedigree in this competition, don't forget that. He's my way three Wembley appearances, I like it. Exactly, well, <laughs> but he's been, you know, he's been, part, speaking of Wembley, Pardew's been to three FA Cup finals, two as a manager. Mm-hmm. He's done this before, mm-hmm. and I think it was at Palace where he got them to the final, and it was after he took over, and it all started with a third round win over Dover. It might have been that season, it might have been another season, I don't know, but anyway, he's done it before, he knows what, he knows how to do it, and he used, I thought he was really clever that he used the extra win as the morale-boosting win they needed, and since then, they haven't looked back, they should have beaten Everton at Goodison, um, they beat Brighton, they beat Liverpool, outplayed Liverpool, outplayed all those teams, um, and, you know, roll on Man City, but more important, well, not more importantly, but just as importantly, roll on the fifth round. I mean, they won't be scared of anybody. Absolutely. And, and a lot of managers now these days, rest players, put out second string saying, look, we're near the bottom of the league. We've got to concentrate on the league, the FA Cup. You know, it's just an extra game. But Pardew hasn't done that. And full credit to him and to the team for getting through it. And they can use this as a motivation in the league. Yeah, they could have shrunk back a little bit. Though You saw West Ham had struggles, you know, uh, making wholesale changes. And, and, and I was so pleased that Pardew sort of stuck with his guns Played Rodriguez, played Krakowiak, Barry. I mean, you could have argued that Barry, you know, at this time in his career, could have maybe given a rest, having put in such sterling efforts in recent weeks. Yet, you know, he was prepared to put these players in, and it was it was payback for Pardew, really, in terms of seeing those players put in a performance that said, look, we're behind you, we're buying into your philosophy, and we're happy to play for you. And I think that's, you know, there should be major plaudits for, for the way that he approached this game, Alan Pardew. Absolutely, Matt, we've got to touch on three letters that I know uh, you won't be particularly happy about, but we have to discuss it because it was an absolute farce. V-A-R, what was going on? What is this about? Because that was pathetic. Well, the thing for me about it is, actually, they got all the decisions right, I would say. Right. Um, Barry was marginally offside for Dawson's header. Livermore did tug Salah back. Yeah. Probably a penalty. Pardew made the um, argument. Well, if you're going to give those marginal things, you're going to, you know, you'll give ten penalties a game, or and and you're you're robbing people of goals. Do you really want to take away that entertainment value? I don't really subscribe to that. I think a goal, you know, if a goal is a goal, you know, if it's offside, it's offside, and if mm-hmm. it's a penalty, it's a penalty. I think you you want to get the decisions right. The issue I have with the whole thing is that it completely ruined the first half. It robbed everybody of, um, you know, the, the elation of scoring. Um, I'm thinking about the third goal. There was nothing wrong with that third goal. It was it was plainly obvious Dawson was onside. It was plainly obvious that um, Barry was onside at the far post, even though he didn't touch it. Matip put it in, but they still went and looked at it. 
and they robbed Dawson of and Albion of that sort of that elation. And even Liverpool fans were coming up to me at half time and saying, "This is an absolute joke. Liverpool and um, Albion should be four one up. It shouldn't be three one because of VAR." Mm. They 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 thought it. You know, even their own team. Mm. You know, they thought they should be further behind because of it. Um, although it got the, all the decisions right, it's plainly obvious that the, the fans inside the stadium are getting robbed because they're the ones paying the money to go mm-hmm. and watch these games and they are non-plus, they're none the wiser. The scoreboard at Anfield was wrong for about 10 minutes <laughs> because nobody knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, although it might have been obvious at home, it's not obvious um, on the, at, at the stadium and the lengthy delays, I mean, Gerard made the point apparently in, in, in the studio that, well, it's just like a long injury, surely. Why, why is it any different to that? Um, I don't know. I mean, it seems to be a bit of a strange. It feels odd when you're there. It just feel. It just felt strange. It felt alien. Now, whether we will get used to it, I don't know. But do you know what it feels like? It feels like you're at an American football game, or it feels like you're at a rugby match. It just doesn't feel like football. It doesn't have. Doesn't have that. And if you rob the if you rob a game, football game of the atmosphere and and the and the elation of goals and the enjoyment, then you've got nothing. You know. Do you know what I mean? I I I, I don't. I personally think it needs to be either finely tuned, changed, or, or potentially even scrapped. I mean... The fans are going to know what's going on, don't they, regardless of I think you have to have big screens in the, in the stadium. I think... And, you know, people. Some people have called for, well, I think you should have a challenge. I don't know about that. It's really difficult. I mean, it's, it's a grey area. It's really hard to know what the right answer is. And Pardew came out afterwards and said, look, I don't have the answers, but I just know it felt wrong. And that's that's sort of what the, the, the idea was. I mean, people were saying this is a shambles, but even though, actually, the ref got everything right... What he did is, in the first half, he relied on it too much. He should never have looked at it for the third goal. That was obviously not offside. Um, there were a couple of other things that he looked at it for. I don't know why. Um, and then in the second half... Oh, yeah, sorry, in the start of the second half, Dawson was obviously offside mm-hmm. when he um, somehow rose above Mignolet and headed the ball in. Yeah. He, should never, he should never have looked at it for that. But then in the second half, he did seem to calm down the ref. Um, and even though people were, Liverpool were appealing for penalties, he wasn't looking at it. So maybe he did... Maybe he, you know, the, the first few instances sort of rattled him a bit. He thought, I've got to go to VAR, and then he sort of calmed down. So maybe referees will get more used to it, and maybe it'll yeah. become a bit better. Um, How many minutes were added on into the first half? Well, there's only like... four minutes added on, but there should have been a lot more than that. Right. Because it was so, there were so many Because games are going to be going on for 100 minutes, really, at this round, yeah. they? they're going to add on the, pr- the proper time. Should have been about six or seven minutes for me at the, yeah. at the end of the first half. Um, I do think it probably does have a future. Um, I think Go On te- and Technology has been absolutely. Massive success. It's obviously made it. It's removed any doubt. Yeah. And there are the problem with this is that goal line technology is is black and white. It has it crossed the line? Whereas you know penalty decisions, um, that's you know that that's up for debate. Yeah. So the, that's the issue you've got there. I mean, I think you should be able to do offsides pretty pretty quickly. Probably quicker than it was done at Anfield. Maybe that will come with time. Um, it just felt like a farce when you were there, um, and. It obviously needs changing or, or, or fine tuning um, because you know the fans just didn't know what was going on. Mm. And I think for me, that's wrong because we are. I know TV. I know all these clubs are rich because of TV money, and and we're all a slave to the to the broadcast revenue. But actually, what matters is the the fan at the ground, and also what matters is if you if you subscribe to that is the product. If the products mm-hmm. uh, of the game mm. is um, is you know being diminished by all these stoppages, then surely that's wrong. 
Absolutely. Well worth their, their win, though. Uh, Albion, full credit to them and Alan Pardew. Right. Wednesday. Not only is there a game, there's this, there's this certain window called Transfer Deadline Day that everybody loves. Matt, I know you love it. I know I love it. It's going to be a fantastic day. And Albion are right in the thick of transfer rumours. Reports coming out of a, a £16 million bid for Troy Deeney. Where are we at? Well, Troy Deeney is definitely of interest. Um... He's well. He's been of interest for quite a f few windows actually. But when um, Pardew came in, he took over that interest, for want of a better word. Just like Pulis, he is a fan of his, um, and Albion have made inquiries. The I was always under the impression that Dini. The only way that they could fund a move that big uh, for Dini, it's not so much the money; it's more of the wages that he's on. Would be to let Johnny Evans go. But over the weekend, speaking to Pardew, um, you know, I asked him, look, we're all sitting here thinking, assuming Evans is the only person that can go out, um, are there any other players that could go? And he said, that's a very astute question, possibly. So it looks like there might be, there are other things in the pipeline um, that might happen. I mean, we're hearing about, you know, suggestion that Derby are interested in James McLean, um, Crystal Palace are maybe interested in Jake Livermore. Claudio Jakob, whose contract is up at the end of the season, might also go. So we could be in a situation where actually it's not necessarily the Evans situation that it all hinges upon. Mm -hmm. Because Man City have walked away. They're trying to get Laporte from Bilbao. The fact that they haven't got him yet makes me think, well, if that falls through, maybe yeah. they'll come in for Evans. Sure. Arsenal are also apparently putting their money into Aubameyang, apart from Evans, um, and walking away from Evans. But none of those deals are done, so it's all still up in the air. Basically, Albin have got you know, plan A, plan B, plan C. What happens if Evans goes, we do this. What happens if Evans doesn't go and say somebody else goes, then we do this. What happens if nobody goes, then we do this. And they do have funds to do, one, um, I think maybe one or two small things if nobody goes. So at the moment, it's not a waiting game, but things are so fluid that... We just have to wait and see. Um, the Deeney thing, for me, I'm sure they would have approached Watford and said, I mean, they probably did it earlier in the window as well, but I'm sure they'll probably try and firm it up, saying, look, if we get this money in or if we get these wages are free, can we get can we come and take Deeney off your hands because we lot want it? Pardew seemed pretty confident after the, um, after the Liverpool game that he was going to sign a striker. So that suggests to me that something's in the offing. But I understand that Deeney is not the only one that they're looking at, there are others that I mean, that they are looking at, but it depends on who goes out. If you know what I mean, does that make sense? No, I can't. I can't <laughs> Listen, there's so many scenarios that could that could happen, and it's going to be so interesting to find out exactly how this unfolds. Turts, I mean, Troy Deeney left out of of the Watford team in the in uh, on Saturday. Came up to Chelsea. Wood, he did, yes. Yeah. So obviously he's a local lad. Um, absolutely. What from your point of view as as a fan and from what you've seen so far from Albion? Is Troy Deeney the type of player that Albion need, and is he someone that would that would excite you and and, and a lot of you know a lot of other fans? I think I've said previously I'm not the big, the guy's biggest fan. I don't particularly think that he's bringing a massive amount to the team in terms of uh, you know a different sort of way of playing. I think that you've got to look at it in terms of do we need some backup? Yes. Do we need some 
Um, do we need someone to take the pressure off Rodriguez and Rondon? Yes, because it's been evident over the last, uh, over the early part of the season, you know, that it wasn't, uh, you know, when those two weren't scoring goals, there wasn't a lot of other options, especially without goal-scoring midfielders like uh, Chad Lee and Morrison in the team. So yes, I think as a person who can come in and hopefully score five or six goals and be a person who's prepared to be a squad player, then yeah, I think he can. All of this, listening to Matt discuss it all, then there are all the permutations about what could be happening. I just The only frustration is that it just feels like a last-minute sort of scramble is starting to gather pace, and it's something that I just wanted the club to avoid this window. I think the problems were, were pretty visible at the end of last year, in, uh, in the, uh, the end of December, in terms of what was needed. And I know that it isn't as easy as clicking your fingers and, and, and the whole situation around Johnny Evans has sort of meant that we've been waiting along to find out what, what's happened and maybe that's the whole key to the whole transfer window for West Brom. But I just wish that it sort of come together a little bit sooner now rather than we've, we've a couple of days to go, still a lot of irons in the fire without... Mm. Any definite? I mean, I'm only looking from a fan's perspective. I mean, mm. Matt's got a lot the, better idea. I mean, the issue. Me, I think the issue with that is, and obviously everyone likes to do business early, um, but I think the issue is you can't force clubs to call you, mm. and you can't force clubs to bid. Yeah. Um, so with the Evans things, I mean, you could argue that they've they've made it so obvious that they need to sell him mm. that actually you're playing it into into yeah. the buying club's hands. Yeah. They know they that, that but then. Potentially, actually, if we keep if you keep Evans and you can get a striker in, that's a successful win. That's, I, w- I was going to say, is the dream for Albion fans to hang on to Johnny Evans and sign Troy Deeney? Surely it's the best of both worlds. Well, yeah. I mean, if or if it's not Deeney, another striker. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, you could argue that in central midfield, that's where we're well stocked. And I mean, I would be con- slightly concerned about letting Livermore Jacob go purely because Barry Barry's age, although he doesn't look like letting up anytime soon, and he probably will be able to play next season. But you never know at that age. Um, and Krakowiak is, you know, could be going back at the end of the season or worse. Sandfield, though, you know. And that's the thing, you've got Sandfield coming through, which is which which is great. But say Barry and Krakowiak all of a sudden aren't there, you Sandfield can't play them by himself. So, you know, this is all up in the this is all the irons in the fire that I think yes, fans always want things to be done early on. So do reporters actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> but but, I don't know, you've had some pretty tasty takeaways brought into the office. <laughs> like deadline pizzas, yeah, yeah, but yeah. You, think, you look back to the summer and you think, OK, they, they walked away from the Kieran Gibbs deal yeah. and then got him cheaper near the window. When that deadline approaches, it you know sharpens the mind, it makes people do things, um, you know, it makes people drop prices, it makes <clears> people <throat> raise prices, blah, blah. It changes the dynamic of the, of the negotiations, mm. it quickens everything up. So... Unfortunately, it's just always going to be this way. Every window, I think. You know, if you want West Brom, unless you want West Brom to throw money at people, um, you know, it's all very well and good saying, "Oh yeah, we did our business early." But then, mm. what happens four weeks later when, oh, we sh- we shouldn't have bought, spent fifteen million on him. We should have spent fifteen million on on him instead because he became available. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a month or two down the line, no one's going to remember that you did your business early. They're just going to look at the player and look at look at the business you did and how much you spent on him. So, I I have got I, I've actually got no problem with, with with Albion as a club leaving it late on, um, provided they get what is the best deal for them, um, or what they th- or what the best deal that they can get, um, because I think that's just good business practice. Pardew said 
I think as well. I think it was very interesting. Was it last week? He said that he wants someone to come in to the dressing room and have a real impact on someone that plays that's going to stand out in the dressing room. I think Troy Deeney, club captain at, at Watford, is a player who demands respect straight away rather than, let's say, no offence to Oliver Burke or someone else, but a young whiz yeah. kid who's going to come in £15 million hasn't really got a standing in a dressing room. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. A player of substance. Mm. And Deeney um, or Sturridge, you know, who they've also been linked with, although I can't. I mean, if they, I can't see them paying his wages, so I don't know how that's come from. I think Sturridge would rather move to Sevilla or Inter Milan or something. Yeah. But yeah, you know, someone of that standing, exactly, mm. um, is going to have an impact on the change room. And you know, he made a good point after the game as well that he reckons Rodriguez, the reason Rodriguez is starting to and Rondon are starting to find the net is not just because he's changed the way they're playing, but also they know he wants to bring in a striker. Mm. It's obvious. I mean, he's been saying it publicly, and then he's got a reaction from his from his from his players from doing that. Mm. And he said, "Yeah, of course, there's a reaction because when he, he's, you know, Pardew said when he was playing, if the club signed a central midfielder, he was going to war on the training ground. I'm not letting him steal. My, I'm not letting him steal my place. So he thinks Rodriguez has done that, and, yeah. he, and, and he actually said, you know, if we don't sign a striker, I wouldn't be surprised if Rodriguez's form dropped off, which is very interesting. Is it absolutely 100% certain that Salomon Rondon will not be sold? Because there's there's, there's a few rumours last week linking him with moves, big moves." Chelsea latest one this morning, looking for a big man. Will, will Salomon Rondon be be one hundred percent at Albion? Do you reckon at the end of this window? Right. Well, I can't say one hundred percent because <laughs> if someone came in off of thirty million, then yeah, maybe you would sell him. But I, I just can't see him going anywhere. He's he's enjoying his time now. He's enjoying himself at Albion. Pardew loves him. He really loves him. He speaks up about him all the time. He's, just, he's a big fan of his. He wants to keep him. When we asked him on, um, on Friday, he said, look, I've got no plans to sell him. But you can never say never mm. in this market mm. because he's, he, he always harks back to that day when he sold Andy, when Andy Carroll left Newcastle on the final day. I think it was for £35 million. He said, you know, that was an offer that the club couldn't turn down. So I, I got left, actually, he, was, he actually got left high and dry there because mm. he didn't have enough time to bring anyone in. So he said, I don't want to do that with any of my players. I don't want to sell them on deadline day and not have enough time you know, the, I, we have to have things lined up and that's what they've been doing. They've been lining things up for the eventuality that these players go. Um, and then it will all be, it will all, you know, a domino effect, it will all happen. So I can't say categorically that Rondon won't go, but I can say 99.9% that he's not going. I can't, I mean, <coughs> people say Liverpool and Everton were interested. Mm. I'm sorry, Everton just spent £27 million on Tosin, mm. who is a striker in the same mould as Rondon. And Liverpool, he's not, he's not a Jurgen Klopp player. And they've got loads of strikers anyway. So mm. I, I don't know where that's come from. I, for me, it's just... Uh, it's... I think Pardew's been great with the way that he's managed Rondon, really, because he cut such a forlorn figure at the start of the season, you know, and Pulis had sort of alluded and not alluded to, to the fact that, you know, he wasn't scoring enough and, and you know, his form had dipped. And I think since Pardew's come in, he's just seen that renaissance in the guy that, you know, who's combative, who's strong at holding up play and who's eager to get in the box. You know, he's a guy transformed and I don't know. I think with Chelsea, the way they've been trying to find strikers, I think if I went down there, did keep you up, he's outside Stamford Bridge, I might get a contract. It's a couple of inches, mate. You're good to go in here. They'll be six foot four in you. Yeah, but I wonder if all that, all those rumours about we're looking at Peter Crouch mm. and we're looking at Ashley Barnes, whether that was somebody, you know, that's somebody briefing, say, as in... Bit of a decoy. I, no, just briefing along the lines of, okay, if you're not going to give me any money, mm. I'm going to make you look silly in the press. Yeah, there's there's a lot of um, political infighting going on at Chelsea. You know, Conte could be briefing that because it suits him to make the owners look a bit silly. If you know what I mean. Absolutely. If let, let's say let's say they do sign Troy Dean. Let, let's say he comes he comes. 
and they don't sell Rondon, and obviously you've got Jay Rodriguez there. It's it's alluded to the fact that that, that Troy Deeney will be happy or he'll come in as, on a squad rotational basis. I think if they're going to bring personally Troy Deeney and he's going to be a starter, so does that does that bump out Rondon or you think he's going to be a backup? Based, based on what Pardew said, I don't think anybody that comes in will be a starter mm. because Rondon and Rodriguez are playing so well. And you can't drop either of them at the moment, I don't think. I mean, he, he rested Rondon on Saturday, but he rested him for the Man City game. Mm. So, so whoever comes in is going to have to work flipping hard to get into that team. But that's what he wants. He wants that competition. He wants that competition because that's only going to improve the existing players and it's going to get that person coming in. It's going to be a you know, new club. Right, okay, I've got to prove myself. They're going to have that feeling anyway, but then that's going to just serve to improve the, the two you've got. And also, just having options on the bench. You know, he's not keen on Burke. Um, that's obvious. That's plenty obvious. So he needs some option, attacking option on the bench that 60 minutes when we're drawing one all can come on and get you that goal. Okay, great stuff. Right, segment time, segment time. Fill in the blank, fill in the blank. One of my favourites of fill in the blank. So, pretty easy. Matt, I'm going to ask you to fill in the blank. Turt, fill in the blank. It's pretty easy, okay? You ready? Okay, here we go. Quick fire questions, you fill in the blank. February the 1st. On February the 1st, Matt, Johnny Evans will be at blank. West Brom. Turts. West Brom. Oh, interesting. Okay, West Brom. February the 1st. Andrew Turton. Troy Deeney will be at? West Brom. Oh. Matt. Watford. Okay, <laughs> like it. <laughs> From Watford. Ooh. Um, if Troy Deeney comes in, how many goals? How, well, blank, he will score blank goals between now and the end of the season for West Brom. Matt. Four. Tits. Six. Six. <laughs> I'm putting a bet on there, don't you? Tits. Jay Rodriguez will finish his career with blank England caps. <laughs> Been talked about for England. He's got one at the moment. Uh, still one. Okay. Oh, <laughs> that's hard. I mean, oh, poor guy. You know, he's got. He got to speak from the heart. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I think so. Okay. So, uh, five. One and five gets four. Okay, four is a baggy potentially. Matt, how Robson Carner will score blank more goals for West Brom this season? One. Oh. <laughs> go on, go on with the double. Okay. I'm doubling it too. Oh, hello. Hello. No, He's yeah. not playing. He's not playing. <laughs> Two. Okay. Um, oh, that's a good, you're a tough one here. West Brom will finish blank in the Premier League this season. 17. Oh, hello. Yeah. 17. I'm not saying they're going to solve up the league, but it's going to be a push till the end, but we, we'll get over we'll the get finish over the... line, yeah. Matt. 13. 13! Oh, Goodness me. Well, you know, there's not much between 10th and 20th. It's congested at the moment, and we're on, the, we're on, we're on up. <laughs> I'm just, I, I, I don't know. It's just that the last few games has made me think okay. they're going to shoot out of it. Between now, between now and the end of the season, that counts as half a year. Alan Pardew will manage West Brom for blank more years. So wait, what? So between now and the end of the season, that counts as half a year, yeah? Because right. January, okay? okay? So Alan Pardew will manage West Brom and Shelby, West Bromwich manager for blank more seasons. Alan Pardew will manage West Bromwich Albion for two and a half more two seasons. Two and a half more seasons. Turts. Yeah, he's probably need my answer there. I don't know. Oh, yeah. think, well, 18 months then, I'll say. 18, 18 months, okay. Yeah. <laughs> 18 months, okay. Uh, man, last one. Start with Turts. Um, West Bromwich Albion will reach blank round in the FA Cup. 
I'm going to say semi-final. Oh, hello. <laughs> hello. hello. We're going to go all in. Hello, hello. Wembley, we'll, baby. We'll get a lower league in the next round. Yeah. Beat them. Have a good win. Yeah. And then, yeah. Oh, I like that. I like Hopefully. that. Semi-finals. Nick my answer. Matt, West Brom will finish blank in the FA Cup. Oh, I'll, I'll go quarters then. Okay, quarters. <laughs> That's fair enough. Good stuff, good stuff. Right, question time, peeps. Question time. Got plenty of questions. No, we haven't got loads of time today. We've still got 10, 10 or so minutes. So some good questions. Duh, 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 duh. Let's have a look. Uh, Clint McCormick asks, um, who would you like to face in the FA Cup in the next round, boys? I'd like uh, Coventry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want my cub. Yeah, someone like that. Cover yeah. home, yeah. yeah cover right. cover away, because it's near well, where I live. Well, it's true, yeah. <laughs> Saunter over there. You're right, though. I mean, they've gone and played Liverpool away. You want rubbish, don't you, now? You want, you want lower league, you want... There's not much rubbish left, though. Well, I, mean, I mean, even a championship club's going to be difficult. Mm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Cov. Just because okay. I, I like Cov. Okay. Um, ben Hadlington asks, what do you think has suddenly changed so we can sign a player without breaking the rules? And why did it take 28 days to realise that wage funds were there all along. I assume he thinks that about, you know, if we're not going to sell everything. Well, that's so. not confirmed. I mean, mm. I, I, I'm, I, I'm still under the impression that they will have to offload if they're going to get Deeney in. I, I, I'm, I'm st- unless they... Because unless they, they do have enough to do one... to do one mm-hmm. wage, wage structure. Um, so maybe Lies put some money in. Um, that would cover the upfront fee. The, it's the wages that's the issue. So, um, yeah, but I, you know, we, I think we we'll have to wait and see for that because it's not it's not guaranteed that that is necessarily what's happening. Because I think, for me, I, I still think that for them to get Dini on someone like Dini's wages, they will need to offload maybe. Okay, interesting question here. I'm not usually one for writing off games with Man City playing the way that they are and their utter dominance. And Southampton at home being such an important game, would you make changes to the team on Wednesday night? Well, I'd make changes from the team that played against Liverpool, but I would play the strongest team. I think when you're on a run like this, when the feeling is so good, you don't want to go to Man City and get panned 5-0, even though it wouldn't be dis- disgraceful. But I reckon, I mean, Man City have looked vulnerable at times recently. You look at the Liverpool game, look at some Palace game, other games. I know, they, I know they played well the other day, but I, I, I reckon... I reckon, why can't they go there and get something? There's a, they've got every chance of, to, of, of getting something. They can't afford to write off games well, either, can they? I don't, think, they, I don't yeah. think you can, exactly the point. I don't think you can afford to write anything off. If you play a good team and catch Man City on a bit of a sort of off day, a point for the they're team. They're only human they, beings, you know. They're, 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 they're not robots. I mean, they're flipping good players, yeah. but... So they got kicked we, to Kingdom Come at Cardiff yesterday, we, I tell we, you. We, we've got good players as well. Mm. I, I, I don't think you can write any games off. I think you can get definitely get a draw uh, if, you know, at least there. Excellent. Uh, Matt Harry at Matt Harry asks, uh, do you think Troy Deeney is worth £16 million? I mean, this is, a, this is a guy who hasn't scored from open play in the Premier League this season. Yeah, I mean, that's a, uh, that's a good question um, because he is getting on a bit as well. And this is, this is the opening bid I, as well. I mean, that, that, that could be a good question. I mean, the problem is with, it, with modern flit fees, you know, £16 million is actually not that much anymore. I mean, £16 million is now what was he, what was he, 29, 30 years old? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're not going to get much back on him if he signed a two or three year deal, which no, you expect. You, you probably won't get much back on him. I, I mean, it's a good question because he hasn't scored many, but he hasn't really been playing much either for Watford. He's been sort of stop-start. You know, he's not been had a regular run in, in the team. Um... I still think he's a very good player, um, but it's a good, it's a very good question. I, only time will tell. I mean, the, the thing is with transfers, only time will tell. You can't, you can't really judge a transfer until maybe six months or even a year afterwards. 
Um, because even if they don't start as strongly, sometimes they develop. Okay, Jacob Tucker asks, um, bah, bah, bah. not really a question, but just an overall update on transfers. Is Gabby still joining if Evans doesn't leave? That's what I was told yesterday. I mean, that's the, that's the impression I get, yeah, that Gabby is coming anyway, regardless. I mean, you've got to remember, you've got McCauley, who's 38. Mm. Dawson, yes, he can play centre-back, but actually, he's. I think he's very useful at right-back, and I quite like him there now. He's, he's developed into a, into a solid Premier League right-back. Um, so you might not want to change him. You, I mean, I think in your strongest side, you have Dawson at right back, and you have two centre backs in, in in the middle. So I've been told that he's coming regardless of whether Evans um, whether, whether Evans joins or not. Um, and he was having a medical yesterday, so it's a good move. You know, you need to give some support and you know someone who's going to be backing up in case McCauley can't make it. So also, he's dirt cheap. I mean, yeah, it's four hundred four hundred k for a loan, and if he's good, if he's like Hagazi, it's one point one million. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I mean Hagazi was a, was a snip at four point five yeah. mil. Yeah. But if this guy's Anything like that, mm. then 1.1 mil, fair play. Well, is, he, is it Zamalek? Is it Zamalek? Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how he gets on. Um, it's an investment, if nothing else. If you start selling yeah, out for four yeah. for some, well, if, yeah. I mean, even if, if, if he's useless, just send him back. Uh, Matt and Mark both both kind of say, say the same thing, saying it's so refreshing to see how they played on Saturday night uh, going forward. And do you feel it's going to be a turning point in the season? Yeah, well, I think I think the turning point's come. The turning point was Exeter. I think what actually I'm quite. Um, encouraged by is that the fact that Pardew didn't have that manager bounce initial manager bounce it took him a while which makes me think that actually this final form that we're now seeing is something more permanent than a new manager bounce because a new manager bounce yeah. you could argue is temporary mm-hmm. and you could say okay we've had six oh yeah we're all really happy with this new guy six games and we've, we've won four of them and yeah things are going really well the fact that Albion didn't have that although at the time was worrying and concerning now if they go on a run of form now I'm more, I'm more encouraged by that because what it actually is is that Pardew's had time to make, to ha- to, to get his message across, and it wasn't just a mental thing or anything. It's actually a more long-term thing, and it's got some longevity in it. So, um, yeah, I'm. D- does that make sense? Yeah, because you've had things like uh, Sam Allardyce at Everton, you've had David Moyes at West Ham, who did arguably have a bit of a bounce in different ways and got some results but then have sunk back a little bit. And I think with Pardew, it does seem that the whole format, the play and stuff, he's actually moulding it around players who can just come in and, 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 and into his style of play rather than just having to sort of, you know, sling people forward and, and, and it's just a sort of bit more of a desperate push. Yeah. A couple of quick more quick questions because we're running out of time. Uh, Jason asks, any update on Kieran Gibbs' injury? Uh, no, not, not as yet. I think he's due to be assessed today. Okay, that wasn't good though, was it? Didn't look, didn't look great. No, I'd, I'd be surprised if he played against Man City. Mm-hmm. Um, and Charlie Swift we'll finish on Charlie Swift ask is the Jay Rodriguez from Southampton back yeah I'd say he is I mean he looks actually it's a bit different because he was playing on the left at Southampton as a left forward um, and now he's play, He's now he's getting his goals for Albion up front as a more of a, a either a, a centre forward or a secondary striker in a, in a two I really like the fact I think he's benefiting from the fact that Pardew's consistently playing him up top well, against Pew, you know when he was sorry under Pulis he was often either left wing or right wing. And okay, that worked for Southampton. But under Pulis, you're very rarely in the opposition final third. You're doing a lot of tracking back, a lot of defending in that system. So he, oh, that meant that when he did get into good positions, he was snatching at his chances because <coughs> they, they became more rare and there was more pressure on them. And he missed some, actually some good chances. But he, but he was still getting in those chances, even though he was working his, his socks off to get in those chances. Now he's up, he's up top. 
doesn't have as much defensive duties to do, although he still does it pretty well, it has to be said. But he's getting more chances, there's less pressure on them, and he's sticking them away. Mm. And he's being more clinical because there's less pressure on them. Um, and the, the finish against Everton was brilliant. His two finishes against Liverpool were fantastic, especially the first one. I think we're seeing him realising his potential. Mm. He's the finisher that you know we thought we'd sign in, in the summer. And I reckon you know, we've got eight goals now this season, mm. which isn't bad. Only four in the league. And you want, hopefully, you want him to kick on. But I I've, got, I've got no reason to believe why he, he can't finish with 15 in all mm. competitions and maybe 10 in the league if he can get on a bit of a run of form. Yeah, the momentum's there, definitely. Speaking about great finishes, Cyril Regis, his funeral tomorrow. Matt, I know you probably want to say a few words. We'll both be at, at the Hawthorns tomorrow. Yeah, we'll, we'll both be down there for the uh, celebration service at the Hawthorns. And um, I think there's 1,800 fans who've got tickets. A lot of uh, Cyril's family. You know, you've got um, some some people coming over from America to uh, to to visit. Beverly Knight's going to be singing. There's going to be some addresses from a few people. So um, emotional day. It'll be an emotional day. Um, and um, you know, if you want to, you know, if you can't get to there, then make sure you just um, keep up to date on our website and uh, buy that buy a paper because we're. We'll be running um, a few of uh, memorials and tributes to him uh, tomorrow and in and, and Wednesday's paper. So, yeah, it's going to be an emotional day. But I think it's nice that they've done something at the Hawthorns. Um, very fitting for a man who, uh, as we have covered, you know, in our, in, our, in, our, in our publications a lot, you know, really changed the face of British football and, and, is, and is a glorified Albion legend. Yeah, it's going to be a uh, you know very touching occasion. I think the club's organised, obviously in, in partnership with his family, a very uh, a, a fantastic, very, job, a very yeah. lovely tribute, and uh, I'm sure it'll be um, a fitting send off for a wonderful man. Absolutely right. Going to go, guys. But before we do that, there are a couple of games that are kicking around, and we won't speak to you before uh, the Southampton game as well. So, so two predictions. Uh, we'll go with Matt first. Matt, your prediction for Manchester City against West Bromwich Albion. I think they're on such a such a high at the moment. I reckon they're going to nick a draw. Ooh, hello. I think it's going to be two two. Two two. J Rod double. Uh, I think J Rod will get one. I think Deeney Deeney assist. I think I don't. Know. I think <laughs> I think Rondon will get the other. Yeah, I saw. I think the free flowing Albion. I think I was going to go for two two oh, as well. Hello. We're, we're scoring for fun these days, you know. Yeah. All right. Good. 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 And uh, Turks finish off with you, Southampton. Southampton prediction. It's West Bromwich Albion. It's, it's Southampton. Massive game at the Hawthorns. I think it'll be a uh, you know the atmosphere will be. Um, we're doing it something uh, before know, the game as well. For, for Cyril as well, and I think uh, you know the fans already come together, and I can see you know the whole team putting on a performance for them. I think I think we'll win two now. I'd agree. I think it might be a bit closer. Two one. Two one, but three points. Four points from two games. We'll take that, boys. Yeah. Oh, flip it yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brilliant, boy. Thank you so much, Turts from Turts from Matt from myself. Fingers crossed. Three points on Wednesday night. Three points on Saturday. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>